button. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to the UNT College of Music in Context podcast, where we're always yakking on sunshine. As always, I am one half of your host experience, and as always, again, I am joined by the other half of our host experience, Miss Hannah Brayfield. It's me! Hello! And this week, we are joined by a recent master's graduate of the uh, wind conducting program here, Mr. Yakin McAvoy. Ray! Woo! Hi, Yakin! Welcome, Yakin! Oh, hey! Wow. Um, that is a wild thing to say, recent graduate. <laughs> yeah. I just got a, I just got an email saying my diploma was awarded, and it's like been completely surreal. Wow. Um, so obviously, it's not the best uh, way to end a career at an institution, but uh, it's, it's done nonetheless, and I couldn't be more excited to, to be here today and to have the opportunity to be able to work with all of you. So. Aw. Yes. We're not going to miss yeah. you. It still feels oh, weird. It still feels like you're here yeah it'll be weird yeah, just going like to the wind studies back. office and not yeah see actually a lot of people i don't think a lot of people know that you graduated which like i was yeah. telling people like oh yeah we're gonna talk to yakin on the podcast this week because he just graduated and they're like he's he's not coming back what do you mean <laughs> yeah, it's sad <laughs> yeah I trust me i'm, I'm just as sad too it's like i don't know it was such a it's such a unique experience kind of coming from where i came from to like just to Texas in general and seeing all the people and just being around all of the incredible musicians and incredible people that I was able to meet over the past couple of years like it's it was completely surreal so it's 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 like really sad to say that there's some people that I may never see again ever in my life oh. um, I never got to say goodbye to which is super sad <laughs> oh. um, but I guess this is gonna serve as the goodbye so if I don't see you goodbye this is from me to you you heard it here first, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, not not to not to start off on a super sad note, but we'll we'll just get that one out of the way first, I guess. Okay. Well, I I think we like to start these things off with um we start them all off the same, talking about uh your like musical journey and like your superhero origin story kind of dealy. So could you maybe elaborate a little bit on that, like how you came to do music and how you got here to UNT. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was raised on like, I, I think in any time of my life, I was always listening to music. Um, it was never like the Western classical tradition. It was never the Bach's or Beethoven's of the world. It was like Journey and <laughs> yeah. Triumph yeah. and like some like classic rock, some Rush. Uh, my dad listened to this guitarist Joe Satriani all the time. Um, it was so. It was like my whole lens of music came from me growing up in church, uh, me listening to classic rock, me attempting to sing all the falsetto notes that all those like classic rock people can <laughs> oh, do, yeah. which I like, I have, a, I find myself to have a pretty good range as a, um, as I could even like a pseudo baritone. Um, and I contribute that to journey completely <laughs> in Boston. Um, but that was a lot of my upbringing was just, uh, experiencing classical music. Uh, and hearing how those melodies interact, like not really trying them on my own, but I was constantly singing, and I still do. Um, I'm obviously also a Disney kid, uh. <laughs> so I know all the melodies to all those songs. I still sing along to them to this day, and I'm 27, almost 28 years old now, and I have no regrets for that. Um, but I think a lot of the, even coming from the not classical tradition side of things, or I didn't listen to jazz or anything like that growing up, um, I was constantly trying to match the pitches and I was trying to constantly like find where the harmonies were going, even though I didn't really know what that meant at first. Uh, I tried to sing harmonies because I just know they sounded cool when I sang differently from the, um, the whoever I was singing with. If I was singing with Steve Perry, if I was singing like Freddie Mercury or whoever, 
um, I just try to do something to to uh, make it a little bit more interesting. Um, so I I don't consider myself to be from a musical family. Uh, my dad's a was a truck driver, and my mom sells insurance, and I'm the first person in my family to even graduate college, wow. let alone wow. uh, yeah graduate college, let alone get a master's degree. Um, so my family really what they instilled in me was a value of like just getting a good education uh, and working really hard to whatever you have, which has been really great. Um, so kind of going back to the whole musical side of things, I started in band in sixth grade. Uh, my dad was a saxophone player. My uncle was a saxophone player. Uh, my mom plays the radio really well. <laughs> so she, she does that. Uh, but other than that, like it's, that was really it. Um, I chose the saxophone because I didn't want my parents to buy a new instrument. Yeah. Wow. Um, my band directors told me that, uh, or my, my, where my fitting was, they told me that I, the saxophone class was full, using air quotes here, <laughs> as you do. Of course. And um, so they said, well, you, you, should, you should try and play the, the, the clarinet. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> and I told them, I was like, no, I'm playing saxophone. So they let me in the class, thankfully, and... Uh, you know, I went, went through my beginning band classes playing things like, oh gosh, what's that Robert W. Smith piece? Not Long Train Running. Um, the Great Locomotive Chase, like I remember playing that <laughs> and loving. That was the first piece that I remember playing. I was like, this is a banger. This is so good. <laughs> and then looking back on it, it's like complete trash. That's what's up. Um, so that's kind of how that is. I played all through middle school. Um, in middle school, my eighth grade year, I had a social studies teacher that taught us about the Civil War. So his idea with teaching the Civil War was like, he, we went through like battle plans, we went through like the really deep history of how this stuff worked, it was fascinating. And I told myself in my eighth grade year, I wanted to become a teacher. Um, there was just, it just made sense to me. I was like, great, I'm gonna do it. Like, I'm gonna be a teacher, I'm gonna teach social studies, and that's just that, I'm gonna do it. So I went to school for the first, or excuse me, I went to my freshman and sophomore year, I think I'm gonna be a social studies teacher. Uh, I started taking saxophone lessons my sophomore year in high school, um, and I was able to play all the way through, obviously, and take lessons the rest of the way. And then my junior year came along when I started to kind of think about auditioning, and then my director was like, hey, you should just go into music education instead of whatever you want to do. <laughs> As band directors maybe, do. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And maybe by that point, I was like still trying to um, like play professional baseball, even though I was like, it's kind of like riding the, riding the pine on the varsity team playing baseball, whatever, like it was not good. Um, <laughs> as, 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 as band kids do, we try to play sports, some of us at least. Um, so uh, I was like, yeah, they, you know, here's the test suggesting you go to music education. I'm like, yeah, of course, that just makes sense. Let's do it. Um, so I went on to Bowling Green from there and I auditioned, uh, went to, I started with an incredible Saxon pedagogue, John Sampin at Bowling Green, um, who's just like a, a legend in the saxophone world. And I'm sure the saxophone players listening would agree. Um, it's a study with Fred Hemke at Northwestern. Like he was a lot of the Northwestern grads go to BG for their masters or doctoral programs. So I learned a ton from him. Learned, I think I may have learned more from the people that went to the school than I did actually from the professor, <laughs> which I think is honestly, I think it's true for a lot of us. Like, I think we take more, a lot of times, I think we take more from each other than we do, um, from our actual professors that we, that we kind of go, go along with on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, so that's what I kind of found, uh, and kind of go through is there's just so many people and I stole as many ideas as I could and I soaked up as much information I could in my undergraduate um, just to get as many perspectives and to see where um, where I wanted to teach and who I wanted to be as a teacher. Um, so I graduated 
kind of fast forward even much this is the important part uh, but halfway to the end of my junior year I found myself I was not able to practice less I practiced less and less and less and less um, not because I got lazy but just from the sheer yeah I'm not, I'm not hiding my face there's a reason for it I was like uh, <laughs> I was uh, practicing less and less I was like I, I couldn't I couldn't control my sound like I was just I was trying to play and play and play and play uh, and I literally couldn't control this X-Fax one. My chin would just shake uncontrollably. Oh, my goodness. And I just could not could not get it to work. I couldn't play a straight note. So eventually I started playing. I could practice for two hours. And then I could practice only for an hour. And then I could practice for 30 minutes without it really doing problems. And eventually got less and less and less where I could play for maybe 30 seconds at a time. And then if I pulled enough for any more than that, my jaw would shake uncontrollably. Come to find out, I had developed focal dystonia just from essentially overplaying. Oh my goodness! Said, like in really in my first couple of years of my undergrad, I was playing because I was doing both jazz lessons and I was doing classical lessons, playing in saxophone quartet, playing in jazz combos, playing in the the wind symphony, playing in whatever side gigs I can do. I mean, I could or in, in the the I was the lead alto in one of the jazz bands. Like it was literally a, probably eight to ten to twelve hours a day on the horn. Oh my goodness! Five days a week, it was a lot of playing, and I just I basically just overworked myself out. Wow. Um, but that whole journey led me to go into conducting. Um, I conducted my first conducting gig. I conducted our saxophone ensemble for our studio class. I attempted, I remember rehearsing them, and there's like these doctoral students, these master students, these really good undergrads playing for me. And I was like trying to find things to fix. I was like, I, there has to be something here. <laughs> what am I missing? What am I missing? And to this day, I still think about that sometimes. Like, there's sometimes you're, when you sit in front of the, the UNT Wind Symphony, they play something like, I, that was fine. Horns, you're probably a little bit, you're probably a little sharp there. You know? Not that that was often, but I mean, it happened once or twice. Uh, a rehearsal. So, no. That's, it's fine. It's okay, you're talking about trumpet um, but, now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, trumpets, I think, I think that was wrong. It's like, no, it was correct. Anyway. Um, but I remember like kind of going through that. Um, and it's just because my ears like weren't developed yet. It just had took time for that to, for that to happen. Uh, and the better musician I became... And then more, because I had the practice on the instrument, I was able to kind of navigate those rehearsals properly and it led me to kind of go through. Um, so after graduating from Bowling Green, uh, my first job out of school was teaching at a preschool. More on that later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, taught, like, I taught like beginning music. Just I like, went to all these like older infant classrooms and these kindergarten classes, all the way up through kindergarten classrooms, just teaching music, having a good time. Um, and then I didn't get uh, really a teaching job until my second year. Uh, second school year out of uh, college where I taught at uh, West High School in Columbus City Schools. Um, I taught, for, taught there for three years. Um, we, I started the program. We had six kids, the first rehearsal, mm-hmm. like three drummers, a trumpet player, a saxophone player, oh my goodness. Uh, and then a flute player, I think. And that was it. Like that was the band. Wow. Um, by the time I left, like we had, and they had not gone to contests for a long time. Um, they didn't do any competition stuff. After the first year, the next year we went to like some competitions. We didn't get any ratings, but we just like we went to for what we call comments only uh, in Ohio. So we had comments only just to get the experience. Um, we had got, got a lot of really nice exposure. We one time we played for the national. I gotta get this right. It was the national synchronized swimming championships of America at Ohio State, and I remember like they get a call from this whoever the N N A S S C S S B whatever it is. <laughs> OA before and they called me and say hey uh, are you the director at West High School I'm like yeah what's up like do you want to 
do you want to come play for this synchronized swimming championship at Ohio State? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> you want to Like, we ended up being on this, like, we, yeah, exactly. Um, so if you ever want a gig, I guess check out synchronized swimming. <laughs> Noted. Like, yeah. yeah. Bands there. It was super awkward. It was super awkward. It was not like basketball or football, uh, obviously, because it's water fresh. and they're synchronized. <laughs> no, not as much. But I remember the kids being like, the students being are so hype because they, uh, we got on the Snapchat story of like this big, like, and like on Ohio State Snapchat story. I remember them like pulling out the phone and like, McAvoy, look at this. We're on Snapchat. And like threw it in my face. <laughs> like that's cool. I'm glad you're on Snapchat for that and not like something that's, you know, awful. not yeah. what you should <laughs> Yeah, it's something awful. So, I mean, there's there a lot of opportunities that came from just teaching at that school. Um, by the time I left, we had almost 60 people in the band program itself. Wow. Um, they're, 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 they, knew all, they knew all their scales. They were decently good musicians. Um, I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Yes. So we were, uh, this is in, I think, my second year teaching. So we were sitting there in rehearsal sure. one day, uh, and I had the Dr. Beat going, as you know, as all band directors do, or uh, some of the ones who doesn't. Uh, it's... So I was sitting there, and the, the, the metronome's going on. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Solid tempo. We're, we're all vibing in the classroom, playing our A-flat major scale in thirds with, in, the, <laughs> oh, in yeah. the Texas yeah. Bible, the blue book. You know how it is. We're sitting there vibing. This kid walks into our classroom. Uh, he's, not, he's not in our class at all. He walks in. He's just like kind of dancing, vibing along. He's like, yo, Mac, where you get that beat from? I said, well, um, it's called a doctor beat. <laughs> he's like man that's fire the coolest name ever though <laughs> <laughs> it really is like dr beat flame fire it's like yo that's fire where, 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 where you where, where you get that i said like well, you could get it on amazon.com he's like oh that beat go hard i'm about to get me one it's like well all right so <laughs> that was the end of that then he vibed out of the room dancing out that was my experience teaching in inner city schools. There's just people vibe into the Dr. Beat. Wow. Which I'm sure we all can relate to that <laughs> oh, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. That's me in the practice Absolutely. rooms. So, <laughs> just straight vibing oh, for four yeah. hours a day. Absolutely. So um, so after that, uh, so I taught there for three years. The opportunity came for me to come to UNT. Um, and I did whatever I did there for a couple years and graduated. And now I'm here. So. Hooray. Nice. Yeah, that's my life story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You summed it up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. the addition of a delightful story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, actually, because um, you mentioned a little bit about your amazing recruiting capabilities, by the way. <laughs> that's amazing. Sure. Six people in a band is like like a picture book. That's like not yeah, real. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I, in my Facebook stalking, I do a little bit of academic Facebook stalking before every episode to see what someone's sure. done so I can ask you good questions about it. But sure. um, you gave this clinic at Midwest about yeah. um, the re- recruitment. It was called Big Dreams Little Bands, which, by the way, yeah, it was. I love the yeah. name. <laughs> so how did you, did you do research for that? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, to be honest with you, I did not. Uh, well, I'll start with the whole Big Dreams Little, little uh, Big Dreams. I think it was Big Dreams Little Resources. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's called because I, I presented at LMEA the year before that called Big Dreams Tiny Bands. Ah, oh, yeah. A quick aside on that. It was me and my friend. He teaches at a really small Catholic school in Middletown, Ohio. Um, and we like we're trying to figure out what to do. And then I asked my wife, "Is like, hey, Amanda, like, what should we call this thing?" It's like, "I'll just call it Big Dreams Tiny Bands." I'm like, perfect. <laughs> Doing, oh, send it in. Yes. So I, I didn't want to use that one. I wanted to appeal to a bigger audience. 
Yeah. Uh, but that session, like, I did not, this is, I kind of regret it in retrospect. I did not do any research for it because I didn't, like, know what that really that meant. The research for me was, like, literally what happened to me in my first three years of teaching, how I was able to attack it, and how I was able to go about working around it and working through it uh, and making the best out of the situation that I had. Um, so the whole, like, little resources thing is was was completely true. The way I kind of, like, sum it up is, you know, I had coming out of my undergraduate degree, as, as all of us do, we have these huge dreams of like being this incredible band director and you do all these wonderful things and you're, I'm going to have a 6A band and we're going to get sweepstakes for 25 years straight and then I'm going to go <laughs> teach wherever, blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing I'm going to do. And that's like kind of what a lot of us um, tend to gravitate towards that because it just makes sense. Like we're really, a lot of us are really successful in our careers and we're really successful in our instrument and you're practicing and doing all these things. Well, I, I, I deserve it. And then you look out in front of you and you see six kids staring at you that li- literally, like, for example, my flute player knew from, like, B-flat, like, middle of the staff B-flat to F, top of the staff F, and that's it. Like, nothing over that. That's, she literally, her range was literally five notes. So I had to figure out a way to kind of tackle that. Um, and I, just kind of a quick aside, I remember after, like, after the first rehearsal, or sorry, during the first rehearsal, I go back into the music library and I kind of look at, I just like stop for a second. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like I was, the where I, where I thought I was was up here and where I was actually was probably much lower than that and where my students were much lower than that. So what I had to do is I had to figure out where they are and I had to meet them where they are, no matter where they are, find out what they need to get to where I want them to go and do whatever I could to get them to the wherever I needed to go. And that's a super life lesson. Like you can't, it's kind of like forcing a square peg in a round hole. Like you can't just kind of keep forward and pushing forward and keep pushing forward and push them and push them and push them without some sort of uh, realizing what they can actually do, figuring out what they can actually do, you know, amplify their strengths, make them, make their strengths their strengths, make their weaknesses um, uh, even more strengths like, I guess. Um, (laughs) And I don't know. I don't have an eloquent way to put it. Essentially what I'm saying is like, just meet them where they are, take them where you want them to go and don't stop pushing them, but just know they are people. And if you push them too hard, they will break down. Like it's their high school or teenagers, like that's just, that's just what happens. So um, a lot of the time you can kind of have to figure out like how far you can push them. And the more you get to know your students, the farther you can push them without, because um, you learn where that line is. Like my yeah. line, when I first started with my kids is like, all right, here is, Here's the Remington exercise because this is what I think that we're going to use to learn all the notes on your instrument. That was like the, the best thing I can come up with at the time. And the line was, well, what's, what is that? What is the, like the, the flute player kind of asked me, he's like, what is the, what is that sign that's like a box with two lines on it? I was like, well, it's a natural sign. And she oh, kind of got frustrated. Like, what's like, what's that? Like, I've only played E flat. It's like, oh, and it's just, just first finger and then the second finger. Yeah. mastering instrument methods goes a long way huh (laughs) literally no seriously though like don't don't do that with mentor methods classes you will need them i promise you yeah i i took bassoon methods i don't know a dang thing about bassoon right now (laughs) i know it makes great sounds i haven't i'm the first time i had a bassoon player in my band was in unt so (laughs) oh my goodness yeah seriously yeah we we don't we don't have those in ohio Mm. four horn players as much (laughs) They don't exist. That's all right. So. Texas bands also struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
they're just hard to come by. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's, that's that's kind of the thing with that. So the whole the whole kind of project of the whole thing, and I wish I kind of had it recorded, um, was just to find figure out ways to make it work, no matter how you can. So the clinic itself was much more about like um, part of it was and advocating for really good teachers to be in the inner city schools and teach in the lower income areas, to teach in rural areas that need the most help. Yeah. Because um, I think, I, I personally, I think I learned more teaching in that in that area, in that sense. Like, I became a way better teacher than I ever would have been had I never done it, because I had to be. Like, I had to know all the fingerings for the for the flute. I had to know what the, the high, high fingerings for flute. I had to know all the side positions for trombone. I had to know the pedagogy of the tuba. I had to learn how to write drill. I had to do, I had to learn how to write the percussion music and learn how to teach percussion because oh I goodness. was the only person. That was it. So I, I had to do all that to make it work. And I did my best to, to make something um, out of what seemed to be nothing at first. That's incredible yeah. <laughs> that you did that. I was, was going to ask them about the logistics of it. It sounds like impossible. How did you do it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but look, well, look, looking back on it, it's a lot. Like now, I'm not like we weren't like a sweepstakes, like incredible program or anything. By the time I left, but it was a complete 180 from where we were before, and I'm very proud to say that. Um, so I, it it took a lot of patience. It took a lot of time for me building relationships with the students that I had in my band, and to going to middle schools a lot, like during my lunch break, during my planning period. Um, I constantly was at the middle schools. Um, we started a program with one of our middle school feeders that was, uh, we had the high school players like teach private lessons to the middle school players. And that helped. That's so good. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, it helps so much just because like when the middle school players would come from marching band, they had like literally four other people that they knew already and they were willing to help out, which I think is one of the reasons why marching band works so really well, especially as a, as a preschool sport. Yes. Like, meaning like it begins in the summer. <laughs> Not you, like you, you begin when you're first three. Day class. Oh yeah, because exactly. exactly because I was the same way. Yeah, wake up at three o'clock. <laughs> I I will be asleep. Um, which is what's really cool about I think about the whole marching band experience is logistically. I remember as a freshman I started you know marching band in technically my eighth grade year. I played in my high school's concert band when I was in eighth grade, but I didn't really know anybody. I so when we started marching band. I, I had, you know, I had 120 people that I knew before I even started my first day of high school. So that was super important. I think that also helped well, kind of recruiting. I definitely used that experience to kind of help improve on what, um, what I wanted my own band to look like when I was, when I was teaching as well. So there's so many things we learn and there's so many things we do from our past teachers, like not even only in, in, in our undergraduate career, but also like in your high school and middle school career, you're, you'll find yourself doing just because that's the way you've seen your teachers do it. And that's just, it's, it's not something you do uh, out of the way. You'll say something like, wow, that came from my band director in high school, or I came from my band director in middle school, or whatever. Um, and I, said, I think that's like super interesting, super interesting, super fascinating for it to work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. To answer your question, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so. so yesterday we were talking a little bit about your experience nowadays at the preschool. Could you maybe tell us a little oh, yeah. bit about that? I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, so I had, I think I, I took a classroom methods class. We called it classroom methods at Bowling Green. I know it's class music for children here at UNT. Is that right? Is that the same class? <laughs> Do you mean like the, like the early childhood education where the mommy, right. mommy and me class happens? I think so. 
Okay, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's 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 whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about preschool and thinking about classroom methods stuff. So I remember taking music for children or classroom methods, whatever you call it now, um, and I just remember loving it. Like I found it so fascinating how students learn and how children learn, especially. And there are so many things that I learned in those classes, those elementary ed classes, that apply directly to actually high school teaching and to teaching in general, because it really is the basics. It's the basis for everything. It's the basis for learning, and I think a lot of ways it's it's the basis for education. Um, it's 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 wonderful. It's super fun. You get to act like a kid. You get to make Aww. them like, run around. They play orf instruments and all the stuff, and it's great. Um, so I remember that being my first kind of job. I'm not really officially in a public school setting, but teaching in a little preschool was just super fun. So it's, I'd walk yeah. in, the kids were so excited because it was music time and they love music time. So they got the little egg shakers and like we played whatever it was we played and they had their egg shakers and like stomping around the room and doing <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when our, in our music ed classes at UNT for undergrads, um, like the, the music ed too is what you're describing as the like elementary ed pedagogy um Mm -hmm. for all music ed majors and everyone's required to go and at least in don taylor's section i can't account for the other sections of the class um we would run around and like literally do the activities and at while we were doing it we'd be learning about it but we were also just holding hands and running around in a circle singing songs about like (laughs) corn cobs and stuff so (laughs) it, it was delightful i always like even though some of the people, you could tell the kids that were really like, I do not want to teach elementary. Mm-hmm. This is very uncomfortable. I don't know how I feel about holding hands with people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the people who were into it, you could really, like, I, I was really into it. Because it's just fun. Yeah. And yeah. we should have more fun in music, I think. Like, in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think all of us get bogged down in the competition aspect. I think all of us get bogged down in the just uh, wanting to be better every day and just kind of forget why we did it a lot of the times. And I think kind of being in the elementary ed classroom and seeing the elementary students and interacting with them kind of, I think, especially reminded me of like, you know what, this is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to have a good time. And just, it's nice to remind yourself of that sometimes too. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's super great and it's super fun. But again, like if, if you haven't, if I'm speaking to the people that haven't taken elementary ed classes, just don't forget the techniques they teach you yeah. and don't forget the kind of the process they teach you because it literally translates to band perfectly, like the act, like the high school and middle school band perfectly. Um, like the scaffolding and the how to differentiate and do all the things and figure out ways to solve solutions or find creative ways to solve problems. Like that's, it transfers specifically. So I really encourage you to, um, to think every lesson and like, even though you're running around the classroom, figure out how it applies to your actual band education. Uh, I'm going to call that band education um, to your future future profession yeah. uh, and apply it in any way you can. All kinds of learning theory are important, in my opinion. My Absolutely. mom taught English for a long time, and she, she kind of started teaching whenever I started going to school. I was the first kid, the first sibling, and so... She, when I was in preschool, she worked at a preschool. And then when I was in third grade, mm. she started teaching kindergarten. And then whenever I was in fifth grade or almost middle school, she started teaching sixth grade. And so she jumped up these grades. And as I decided I wanted to be a teacher and we talk about 
because she taught English and I'm going into teaching music, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> as she was talking about it, she was saying, I'm so glad you're going into elementary because it's so important for you to know, even if you don't end up getting a job teaching elementary schoolers, if you're teaching high schoolers, like if you see, if you know how the learning process works from the very beginning to wherever your kids are, however old they are, you can understand where they may have had deficits in their learning, in their education, what things might have been wrong in the development of their knowledge of this topic, whatever it is, be it reading or writing or playing saxophone or whatever it is. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that that reminds me of a story, so thank you for bringing that up. So I think sometimes we think, at least I did, I know I thought when that kind of band exists in a vacuum, you know what I mean, like they they come into their, they're coming to the, thing and that's the only the only thing they care about is if i'm going to nail this e flat major scale that's the only thing they care about that's the only thing that matters right now but no they don't like they have other things in their life they're worried about that doesn't and band might be the least important thing or band might be the reason they come to school every day um and to be honest there might be some times where a kid is in band that honestly the kid may need band more than the band needs him and that sounds awful but sometimes it's true like sometimes it's just for them to have a family and just for them to express themselves in that sort of way um, the other way I kind of say that band doesn't exist in a vacuum, I had a tuba player that just didn't, didn't read music well. I was, I was kind of struggling to figure out like, kind of why was he not reading well. So I talked to some of the teachers come to find out like he had a reading disability. I was never taught how to kind of like, um, what's the word, how to modify my pedagogy to fit a, a musician with a reading disability. Like I don't, I honestly, I'm still struggle with that. So that's. The other thing, I think a lot of it too is I think that's if the student doesn't get something, it's not just because they a don't want it to be successful. I'm sure they're trying. Some of them may not just aren't able to do it yet, and that's okay. That just takes time for them to get it, and that's I think we 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 should tell ourselves that as well too. Like sometimes if we don't get something right away, it gets really frustrating. But we just kind of got to keep keep working at it and to keep telling ourselves that it's just going to get better. And one of the days it'll. It'll click and it'll it'll all be good. Oh, the reason you asked a preschool. So, for those of you who don't know, I'm teaching at a preschool oh. right now. It's my summer job for the past couple summers. I've just I've gone and I work at this preschool still. I do music sometimes. Right now, I'm just in the kindergarten classroom a lot of the time. So my day was spent today was playing keep away with a soccer ball with me and this other teacher and about twelve kindergartners running at you. Okay. Which is a frightening <laughs> scenario <laughs> when you're trying to keep keep a soccer ball away from these kids. Um, so like what we're doing, like me and the, me and the other teachers, are like doing all these like fancy moves, soccer moves that just really mean we're moving the ball back and forth, <laughs> and they can't control that. Um, but that's what that's today. Yesterday was bike day, so they flew around the bike. So I kind of got paid to watch the bikes go around in a circle, which is great. <laughs> um, so it's not music focused, but it's it's nice to still be involved in pedagogy in some way. And more importantly, it's it's nice to be involved in like the classroom management aspect again, because um, that's something I don't have to worry about at all, really at UNT. Um, <laughs> Let's hope so. But it's definitely <laughs> something to do, especially with kindergarten. Like that's just kind of what has to be. Well, I have a question. Like, what do you guys' like classroom management stuff? Did they teach you in like your classes now? Did, did they discuss anything? It depends on how far along you are in your degree. Yeah. <laughs> and it depends okay. on who you have for your music ed classes. Different music ed teachers teaching the same music ed class will give it a different spin. So, like, uh, Hayden and I were both in this very same section. Lovely Dr. Chapel, if you're listening, I love you. Um, her music ed one love class. You. Music ed one is kind of focused on yeah. your philosophies. It's low-key. It's kind of like 
if you go to music at one and you realize that you hate it, you shouldn't be a music educator (laughs) because it's mostly discussing and building your own philosophy. So you don't talk a lot about Mm -hmm. classroom management. You talk more about philosophies behind classroom management. Like, like we talked a little bit about inclusion and we talked a little bit about, um, like practices and how our beliefs inform them. Um, so it was less about, and when this kid does this, do this thing. And then in music ed too, we talk mm-hmm. about elementary schoolers, and there's a little bit of that, but it's mostly talking about elementary music as it relates to whatever you want to do. And then music ed three, which I just took um, over the Maymester, shout out to William Coppola. Um, <laughs> that one's you talk, you're supposed to talk a lot more about classroom management. I took it online, so mm, yeah. gotcha. We cry. I mean, I just took, or not just took, I guess, but God, the spring semester was like two or three months ago jesus um with yeah it was (laughs) with uh (laughs) i took music ed two with dr emmanuel and that class was oh Oh. my god well before i guess after the apocalypse happened it was amazing too but like (laughs) particularly before oh my god it was so cool and we did talk about um classroom management but it was never like overt i guess like when Mm -hmm. kid you know doesn't want to do it you do this yeah (laughs) But it's it right. was really like magical, I guess. Like, because mm. she would like emphasize like my turn, your turn, but like with no words, and yeah. people would just get like entranced by it, and it's mm-hmm. so cool. It's 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 all magic to me. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I think the the biggest struggle that I think from the coming from the first couple of years teaching what I remember. The biggest struggles that I've seen from my my friend myself and I think friends of mine and even undergrads are like a pacing. A lot of the time is kind of odd. We don't know when to stop talking, or we don't know when to start <laughs> talking, or we don't know when to know if we've said enough. And this is something I still struggle with too. Like sometimes I'll say a point, I'll kind of go on with that point, and I'll say the point in another way, but basically said the same thing. Um, and it's just it's just poor word choice. So I'm, I'm that's something I'm still improving on. Um, so pacing, moving from one thing to the other. The next thing I think is just providing structure uh, in the lesson. Like, I'm not saying like, for five minutes, we're going to do this. For five minutes, we're going to do this. For five minutes, we're going to do this. But having like structure in your classroom to make so like there is a, um, there's a procedure for everything. Mm. So something like a super simple thing, like if they, if you're in the classroom and they need to use the restroom. Um, or they need to ask a question. Typically, the answer for both of those things is the student raises their hand. There's a super simple way. You can choose to use this because I stole this from somebody else. Write this down, write if this down. I have a student in my classroom, and if it's like a, uh, a classroom, they just like a raise a first finger, just a, finger, a hand with their first finger, um, like the index finger up, not their middle finger, just the first <laughs> finger up. Um, Noted. <laughs> that means something else. <laughs> uh, they, want to, they have a question okay. for you. Cool, great. If they have two fingers up, that means I have to use a restroom. So what I can do in my instruction is if, I, if I'm walking around the classroom helping with people and I see a student with two fingers up, I just go, I write out the hall pass while I'm talking to another student. I go and give them the hall pass and they use the restroom Smart. or whatever. If I see they have a first finger up, I know, okay, the question, I'm going to go to them next. And there's, you can expand on that with some other ideas. But I found that would be super simple. So I'm not constantly like, okay, yeah, what's up? Can I use the bathroom? And then you kind of go back to the lesson. But and you, you lose your yeah, train of thought. Okay. Yeah. So ways to yeah, so that's maximize just one super simple thing. your flow, I guess, from one idea to the other. Exactly. Without a yeah. bunch of interruptions. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So figuring out a way to make transitions effective, 
figuring out a way to start class in a really effective way. Um, I mean, for, for band people, it's pretty easy. They come into class. One of the one of the rules I had is I did not want them. I also stole this too, so you can steal it from me. Um, the one of the rules that I had is they weren't allowed to play until we all played together. Oh. Like some of it was more of like a, I think a little bit of what excuse me a little bit was just a pure like uh, classroom management thing. Like I, because otherwise I don't want people coming in. This dude's like playing um, some trap hit on his the piano. This one's playing like, you know, whatever it is on some future on the trombone or whatever. Like I wanted it to be organized in a way. And then, okay, here we go. You know, concert A flat scale. Here it goes. And boom. And that way we all kind of started in the same place. And our mindset was mindset was similar. So figure out a way to start class effectively and start uh, every comment you ever give or start every class period from a place of calm and a place of quiet. Then you can speak. If you start to speak over them, or if you start to talk while they're still playing, or any of that, um, it just beca- it becomes white noise, and they just kind of over time that the gap of where um, where they're listening and to where sorry the gap of where you start talking and they actually start listening becomes wider and wider. The more you let it go, wider and wider. Instead of like stopping rehearsal, everyone stops playing. You wait a second. Instruction. And do like the whole feedback loop that you're all, that we're always taught. So just figure out a way to, to make that work uh, and provide structure in your classrooms is super important. Two books I would recommend for anybody. Uh, one is called The First Days of School by Harry K. Wong, which is uh, super incredible. Uh, it's just all about providing structure like I have talked about in Friday Organization. It's a little old, but I think it still works. Uh, a lot of the concepts definitely work. Uh, and the other book is called, the, it's literally called The Classroom Management Book by Harry K. Wong. Oh. By this guy, Harry K. Wong. You must like this guy. Um, so definitely, yeah, it's, it's great. So check out either both of those and check out any resources on something called Love and Logic. Um, you can get like a day, a weekly emails, I think, from them or sometimes daily emails. It's A lot of it comes from a parenting thing. Like I'm not a parent, nor am I going to be anytime soon. <laughs> but um, it's, it's just like Love and Logic. There's a book series. It's another way to kind of how to experience things. So your classroom management style doesn't come from, like you obviously you show care for the student, but if something goes wrong and they know they didn't make the choice that they needed to make, like it's a very business-like decision. Like I asked you to do this, you did this, this is what happens. And obviously there is some leeway to that. It's not as cold-hearted as that, um, but it's it's, it's, something, it's a concept to be curious to kind of check out. So, yeah. And please feel free if you have any question, classroom management stuff like practical things, like don't be afraid to come my way and I'm be glad to help you help out in any way I can with that. I actually wrote this down. Like I was joking about write this down, but I I literally <laughs> am holding up a sticky note with them written back so I'm going to check them out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super great. It's really good. Um, and I don't think, I know I was not exposed to it in my undergrad, especially classroom management because I didn't have to be. Um, I know at UNT, I also didn't really have to manage a classroom, manage a rehearsal as much because you all were a lot of, um, you all were a lot of really good rehearsals anyway. Well, let's hope so. We're adults. From really great <laughs> program. Exactly. Well, exactly. Um, and that's 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 not true for any other like a lot of other colleges I went to. Really? Or sorry that I've seen or set in rehearsals. Yeah, the rehearsals did not go this smoothly like they do at UNT, which is great. Huh. Um, so just know like your rehearsals at UNT are not reflective of your first job or maybe second <laughs> job or third job, but you have to kind of build that student over over time to make sure to make it like kind of where you want want it to be what what do you want the students to look like and to act like act like and rehearse like as you progress in your uh, progress in your education too absolutely huh. mm-hmm. so all right just takes time 
Actually, as an intro, as a segue, I was kind of curious about like your experience in the Wind Studies Master's program and kind of the directions that you can go and which one you're choosing to go in terms of your broader future. I know it's, it's a scary question. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I I, th- I I have to look into myself and figure out what I want to do with my life. Oh my Fair. gosh. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. So I mean, the, I mean, I don't know if there are better Wind Studies programs especially for a master's degree in the world. I really don't. Great. Am I heavily biased? Yes. But <laughs> it's okay, we are the too. amount of, just from a sheer, uh, I was actually, I was talking to Professor Corporon um, a couple weeks before I left, and we were just kind of reflecting on my experience at the Wind Studies program and the master's program itself. And he's like, you know, Jochen, you've been on the podium. If you've, you've conducted more groups than any other master's student in the country. Wow. And I thought to myself, wow. whoa, you're right. A lot of a lot of the master's programs they may they may are on the podium once a semester, and they have one piece to do once a semester. Not you. Or you know, <laughs> with us, no. Like we're with me. I I was like literally doing two or three pieces at a time with two or three different groups. So there was a lot of juggling, and I had various levels of success. Sometimes I sometimes I felt like I succeeded. A lot of the times I didn't, and there's a lot of rehearsals where I know I didn't succeed. There's some rehearsals that I did. So I mean, it's just it's, it was definitely a learning experience. It was one of the harder things I've ever had to do. Um, but looking back on it, there is no way, shape, or form I would have, I would not go back and do it again. Um, it definitely had its days where I'm like, this, let me rephrase that. <laughs> there was never a day I did not show up to the Wind Studies Department and want to work hard. And there's not one day I stood up to the Wind Studies Department and I did not enjoy every single second of it. Aww. There was never a day of that. There was there were days where it was harder than others. Like there was there were stressful times. There were times where I I messed up a lot, um, or at times I messed up a, a quite like a quite a large amount for one sitting or you know, make it a big deal or whatever. Um, but it's in, in those moments like I still wanted to push myself and I still wanted to become better. Uh, and the only way we were able to get better is through those moments of of pressure, and the moments of life. There's another book I'll give you a nice book recommendation. It's called The Obstacle Is the Way by Ryan Holiday, which now I realize rhymes. But essentially the premise, the premise of the book is it kind of goes through the lives of all these different historical figures and telling stories of how the only way these historical figures are able to get through whatever they need to get through is to go through the obstacle that's standing in their way. So, you know, you, you kind of picture yourself, you're on a path somewhere and there's a giant boulder. Um, you can't go around the boulder or you can't go under the boulder, you can't go under, over the boulder the only way you can go through it is to literally push the boulder through uh, and to push it down the road and kind of then push it out of the way and after you kind of break it down or whatever. And that's that's the idea of uh, the only way you're going to get to where you want to go is to get through the stages and go through what you need to go through uh, to keep pushing yourself forward and to keep pushing yourself to be wherever you want to be at the end of the at the end of the road or down the next the next excuse me down down the next path. Um, so I'd really encourage you to keep that in mind with, with that because it's something that I know I, I struggle with on a daily basis. Of, I, I loved coming to work, but it was definitely – I knew there was always a boulder in front of me, and I know I always had to push the boulder down the road, whether that boulder was just apathy, whether it was imposter syndrome, whether it was, you know, am, am, am I effective enough? Am I a good enough musician to be here? You know, all, all those questions came to my mind at, at UNT. Um, However, kind of working through this process, I understood and I kind of saw, you know what, like it, it, it had to, people had to tell me this, like, you know, you, like you deserve to be here. Like, we're glad you're here. You help us out so much. You do this, the, the students, 
some of the students like you a lot. Maybe a couple of them don't. <laughs> I don't care about them, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but to seeing the impact that you can have over uh, a very short amount of time in your life um, is, is, is really important. Now, kind of what, where I'm going from here, I, to be honest, it's so up in the air right now. Uh, I'm still searching for jobs. Um, I'm back home in Ohio. I have been since spring break. Uh, so that was been cool. There just aren't a lot of jobs right now. So uh, kind of my goal right now is to find the next job, whatever that is. Um, teaching bands, um, obviously. or I, I taught orchestras too, so I would mind too in that since orchestra is cool. Um, but eventually I'd like to go to get my doctorate somewhere uh, and then kind of continue my studies wherever I can fi find a really quality program to go to. Uh, and then teach at college someday. Wow. Um, that's kind of how my life is right now. That's the dream. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the dream. But as you know, it's there is a lot of kind of sideways built into it, and the fact of I don't really know where I'm going to end up, and that's okay. But kind of wherever you go is the path that you're on, and do you have that's the path you need to go to wherever you need to go to. And there's a reason you're there. There's a reason where you're at where you're at right now. I think if you'd have told me. If you'd have told me three years ago, today, you know that you would be graduating from UNT three years from now, I would never. I would have said, "There's no way." Like I would have never believed you. I wanted it to happen. I, I read every, all this Professor Corporan stuff. I watched all the live streams, but never in a million years did I think I can actually come to the school and actually do anything from it. Let alone um, have this like incredible quality education and meet like so many wonderful people that um, I. We'll hopefully see you again. Someday. You're definitely a so. significant part of the community. I think yeah. you well, espouse you. a lot of UN, like what UNT is about, like the best parts of it to people in the Wind Studies mm -hmm. program, well, at least you. the people who are exposed <laughs> to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot, seriously. So, mm -hmm. wow. We're going to miss you. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Jesus oh, Christ. So and that was so, oh my God. So, when you were talking about the boulder, I know anyone who's listening to that is going to just have their own. I was thinking about my personal stuff and about my personal boulders. Everyone has that. Yeah. Listeners. Everyone has it. You are it. not alone. Seek help. Mm -hmm. No, you're not <laughs> alone. And if you think if you think someone doesn't go through it, I guarantee you they're going through Absolutely. it. Absolutely. There is. I think it happens to every single person, especially, especially in music. There's always that. Am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to get this job? Am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to do that? And you are, or maybe it becomes that you aren't yet, and that's okay. But that's the path. That's where you're at right now, and it's up to you to figure out where you want to go after that. The thing that brings me solace it's, is that. It's that I am going to use that pushing the boulder, the muscles I gain from that, to teach someone else how to push their boulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and at the end of the day, that's, that's really our job. Like, yeah, we teach music. We're teaching people how to be better people. And that's just we're using music as the medium. Um, this, and this is an idea I've heard before, and I think it's so true that you don't teach band, you teach music. Like you don't, band is just the medium in which you teach music in. So at the end of the day, you're teaching how to listen, you're teaching what music's about, and you're teaching the emotional capabilities of music to form more rounded and more well-rounded well, more well human beings. So I encourage you, it's not all band. It's, <laughs> there are still people in front of you. Um, there are still people around you and you have to treat them as people not as someone, not as, uh, um, not the, no pun intended here, but not as instruments for you, for your own <laughs> success. Like, 
Which I don't mean a pun, but it's true. Like, don't like your students are not there for you. You're you are there for your students, and that's just kind of how it is. Period. Wow, what a what a wonderful yeah. way to uh, wrap up the, uh, I guess, serious yeah. part of our uh, of our of our show. All of our viewers know that we have a uh, a very not, not serious so rapid part. fire. <laughs> oh, that's right! Uh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. Uh, segment. So let's mosey oh, on over boy. to that. Oh yes. <laughs> okay. Are you you or me? Um, let's see. You start. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to stretch. Get ready. <laughs> Favorite jelly so, bean. Do I need to like get my Do I need to get my my yoga mat? Today? <laughs> <laughs> High knees for GB. <laughs> hey man, yeah, you got to do. I have I started doing the it's kind of the quarantine quick, kind of quick off topic. I started doing the whole like there's like a 30 days of yoga thing oh. uh, on YouTube with Yoga with Adrian. It is wonderful. So if you're if you're not even into yoga, it's super peaceful and you feel great afterwards. There are some days like where you want to die and that's okay. Um, but you know the obstacle is the way there. So I guess that's the way to do it. So anyway, okay, rapid fire. Okay. Favorite jelly bean? Uh, the red one. What? <laughs> the I'm red s- one. Huh? <laughs> well, whatever, whatever the red one is in the pack, that's my favorite one. <laughs> okay. So strawberry or cherry, okay. I guess. Okay, that's, that's right. fair. Yeah, that's acceptable. All right. Uh, favorite Disney song? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, there's such a – I have such a, an inner, like, uh, monologue in my mind of what even soundtrack is superior. <laughs> it's either – for me, it's either, like, Tarzan Ooh. or it's uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Which oh, my goodness, about, it's, yes. It an incredible soundtrack yeah. that people don't talk about enough. Um, so if you have a disagreement, you can fight me. Um, <laughs> no, I totally my, agree. My Twitter handle is at Yak Yak Mom. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so my favorite Disney song is this is not in either one of those things. It's actually the Hawaiian roller coaster ride from Lilo and Stitch. That is my favorite Disney song, <laughs> like for sure. Like anytime wow. it comes on, I am going hard trying to sing the Hawaiian that's in there. <laughs> I have not got it right yet, but you know what? I'm gonna try and get after a close, a very close second. Probably is "Go the Distance" from Hercules. Ooh, yeah, I remember. I remember putting that on my very first day of student teaching. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm in my own music video right now. I'm 21 years old. I'm singing Hercules. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go the distance. I, that's that's kind of funny, but okay. Next, one. <laughs> I love Disney. So, <laughs> let's see. This one is a hot contender. Um, that everyone seems to disagree with us on uh, Waffle House or IHOP or Denny's. Oh gosh! Well, they, let's 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 ask the vegan which one. Oh. Which one <laughs> um, I used to go to IHOP. Just, just I, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, because IHOP, I can't eat anything there. Waffle House, I can't eat anything there. And Denny's, we don't have a Denny's in Columbus. I don't think, not at least near us. Um, if I had the choice. Uh, probably IHOP. I think I used to go to IHOP at one point in my life, literally every night for a you good what? Of time. Wow! <laughs> I swear, I I I played. I would play Halo with me and a couple of my friends. This is how long ago this was. I played like Halo Three or like Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, <laughs> from like eight p.m. until like three a.m. And then we would go to we would go to IHOP for a couple hours because it was twenty open twenty four hours. And then we would go back and play for a couple more hours and we'd go to sleep at like six a.m. <laughs> wow. So that was That's that was my the life. life. At one point. <laughs> It, it, I would love to go back sleep. there at some point <laughs> and tell myself to go like go practice my saxophone more, but that's beside the point. Okay, sorry. Okay. Not to, not to ruin the question. <laughs> Favorite type of cheese? Uh, any of the vegan cheeses are fine. Oh, there's Fair. vegan cheese? Yeah. 
Really? Yeah. It's 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 just different. It's just not uh, it's not the same. Ah, Do you I like see. going to Spiral? Is that a hot, Oh my a gosh, Spiral was my favorite yes. place. Besides like Taco Bell, <laughs> Spiral is my favorite place to go. I love Spiral Diner. What do you eat at Taco Bell? Everything they have is uh, cheesy. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. let me show you the way, child. <laughs> so, um, a lot of the math, like a lot of the graduate students know this. I love Taco Bell. Like I love it. I used to literally get it at least once a week when I was in when I was in Denton. Um, I get four bean burritos fresco style. What fresco style means is they take all the cheeses away and they replace it with pico de gallo. You can get anything uh, for fresco style. So if you want to get like a Crunchwrap Supreme and make it vegan, just get a black, a black bean Crunchwrap Supreme fresco style and that's what you eat. Or just get black or bean burritos fresco style with and I tell this to the cashiers, I want all the fire and Diablo sauce you're legally allowed to give me. <laughs> and that is what I eat. That sounds <laughs> like, amazing. That sounds like you made Taco so Bell into, like, fine dining. I- <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what. People disagree with me, but I'm a, people that know me know how much I love Taco Bell. Oh. So it's, it's kind of a problem, but, you know, whatever. I don't care at this point. Was the original question, what's your favorite cheese? Yeah, yeah, but we got distracted because <laughs> oh you gave an interesting tangent. answer. Okay, anyway. And we're back. All right. <laughs> that should be our catchphrase. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite po- or what is your Pokemon type? Oh, dragon for Dra- sure. Okay. Oh, wow. That's for a quick sure. answer. No one's been able yeah. to answer that super fast. For sure. Well, I have a, there, I was at, the reason I kind of it was on my mind. This kid asked me today if I knew anything about Pokemon Yellow, and I said to myself. Um, do not cite the deep the deep magic to me, which for I was there. <laughs> it's it's I'm sure I'm sure you've seen that meme. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite ones. But I, this this kid asked me he's like what what's, what's your favorite Pokemon? And a hundred percent is Dragonite. It has always been Dragonite. It always will be Dragonite. My favorite trainer was always Lance. Growing up, I idolized Lance. <laughs> I always started with Charmander because I know I wanted to get Charizard because I wanted to be like Lance. And I don't I don't know what it is about Dragonite, but I have always loved Dragon types and I've always loved Dragonite. It's been my favorite. That's I love that. I yeah. love that you had this vision. You were ready for that oh. question. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted. I told you, Lance was literally my idol for a long time in my life. Yeah, Lance. And I, I don't. I don't know what he was. I, he was just so awe-inspiring to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was. You were ready. That became an awesome yeah. question. Oh, I was prepared. <laughs> I am prepared for Disney and Pokemon. Trust me. Awesome. Nice. What's next? All right. This one has nothing to do with either of those. I'm sorry. Dang um, it. Do you have a favorite play on your name? Like how people like how people will say Yak in the Box? People say that? Hayden did. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> oh, yeah, okay. it's just me. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. There's been a couple this year. I did see there was a, one on the GB meme site that was uh, yakking around the Christmas tree, <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. These are Twitter uh, the handles mo- waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, it's so good. The, what, my, my, like my Twitter handle is Yak Yak Ma. Instead oh, of yeah, Yo-Yo Ma, because like we were in string methods one time, and some kid, I was playing cello, and they teasingly called me Yakark Ma, and I just have kept it ever since then. <laughs> uh, my favorite one, not my favorite one, the one I get called the most is just Rockin' Yakin, because that's oh. just the one that Aww. is rhymes that's cute. to make it work. But I do enjoy all of like the memes, and I do enjoy all of like the little fun puns that I got during GB <laughs> and not in GB <laughs> about it. Um, and so please, if you, if you hear any more, please continue to send them my way because I think it's so funny. Okay. It's hilarious. I'm glad I asked that. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Oh, Hayden. Okay. Um, I don't know if this applies, but what is your favorite Dippin' Dots flavor? Oh, 
I always got cookie dough. Yeah. Uh, when I had Dippin' Dots, Ooh. like cookie dough is always my favorite, or mint chocolate chip. Mm. Uh, chocolate one of the ones. Chip. Kind of the, the the pro tip I have for that I used to eat when I eat just Dippin' Dots is for some reason I liked when I got a lot of the little dots. Are they called dots? Yeah. I think I think it's yeah. one yeah, right. dot and right. many dots. <laughs> right. Okay. I think I think they're dots. I'm gonna go with yeah, dots. dots. Is when you put it on your tongue and it sticks to your tongue and you have a lot of dots in your oh, tongue. Yeah. I remember doing that religiously. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why, but I that memory now sticks out to me. I like that you so. preface that with pro tip. <laughs> pro tip. Take the spoon and just shove it in your mouth and let all the dots melt on your tongue while it sticks to it. You will never experience a greater nirvana in your life. Noted. We're going to do that Dippin' Dots fan club. Stay dots. tuned. <laughs> I, I do think... On next podcast. <laughs> I do think dots is what we call it in the club. Well, actually, I'm sorry. If you don't know, we, we explained this on Dr. Graff's uh, last week. But I run a Facebook group called the Dippin' Dots Fan Club that I started during a Win Studies concert. Before before a Win oh, Studies good. concert. Oh, <laughs> and there you go. Better answer. Uh, it's most of the college of music is on it. And now it's like a huge meme. It's like it's like two hundred and fifty people. Really funny. It's it's <laughs> gotten way out of hand. Anyway, uh, go. That's really Hannah. funny. Yeah, so they love that. Go um, ahead. I'm, oh. This is a significantly less historically backed question, but um, what is your favorite off-brand cereal? So like. Oh my gosh! Oh <laughs> <the> man. <lows. laughs> oh, I think I think my wife just picked up some Pebbleos the other day, actually. Um, oh my gosh! I don't know the name of it. Like I'm not I'm not a cereal person. Um, there there was whatever the the the, the knockoff Captain Crunch is. Berry Colossal that's Crunch. The one. You Berry were ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Hayden had it unlocked. Because, like, it's like a dollar for, like, what, a 10-pound bag of Colossal Crunch. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> it's <laughs> actually better than the original Captain Crunch because oh, even oops, it, yeah. it includes berries? the barriers. Uh, <laughs> okay. Dude, oops, all berries is flame. It really yeah. is, though. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the best <laughs> saxophone variant? Oh, my gosh. Alto, for sure. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I think alto is the basis for all of them, and I think if you play alto really well, all the other ones kind of slide into place. But that's just mm, me. Noted. You're talking yeah. to two brass players. We yep. don't know what we're talking yeah. about when it comes to the <laughs> saxophone. It's, it's for sure for sure alto. Don't also pro tip. Don't start your kids on tenor saxophone. That's dumb. Yeah. Noted. Or soprano saxophone. Start them on alto and then switch out. Are there out. people out here starting also kids on soprano players. sax? Is that yeah. a real? That does not I mean, it happen. It has happened. Oh no. Like, just from, a, from like, a, a saxophone perspective, teach them how to play the alto really well and rotate them in your concerts. Don't allow them to become a barrier sax specialist, in my opinion, oh. or a tenor sax specialist, in my opinion, um, because if that kid auditions on tenor saxophone or barrier saxophone, like, it's not. A lot of the time, it doesn't work out well for that student. Sometimes it does. Um, but a lot of the saxophone repertoire is on alto, and they need to learn how to play alto before they can play really anything else. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> That's my own personal pedagogy. If you want to come at me, I don't care. You have, you have my Twitter handle. <laughs> and you have my Facebook, so I don't care. All right. Uh, Les Bandy, I think. What is your right. favorite video game? Ooh. I know that's a tough question. I, th- I think, for me, it's all, it's been, it was Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. I think. Kingdom Hearts was my absolute favorite game for a very long time. Uh, Bioshock is close, close Ooh, second yes. for me. Uh, I loved playing Bioshock. Um, there's something about the whole nostalgia behind that, or the the stuff behind that. Um, so I think it's it's definitely one of those two. It's hard to pick between. I think my usual answer is Kingdom Hearts. 
Um, because I love, I like playing Final Fantasy games. I love Disney. So having both of those two things together was just was really cool. Adorable. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you're ready for this one. Favorite Skittle. Okay, so I have to background to this a little bit. Um, it's the red one, but uh, I didn't know the red one was strawberry and not cherry for a long time. And it may have been a couple days ago that I realized it wasn't. So if you, in case you didn't know, the red Skittle is strawberry flavored not cherry flavored i like that it was still your favorite so, like you didn't know yeah. but still you favorite. still liked it <laughs> i'm also like i'm also not a person that just like picks out individual skittles i just i, I like to get the fun packs of skittles uh and pour, pour them all out on my hand and then eat all of it like at once and then the flavors are just like the yes oh my god the flavor is just like a symphony of of, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, incredible proportions of, in your mouth that sounds bad but <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, ratatouille a little bit <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes! <laughs> when he takes yeah, a bite of the cheese, I do, I do, I do like ratatouille. But... Oh, these are fun. I like these. Okay, favorite movement from Holst. <sighs> I'm gonna say Jupiter. Which one? A ju- Jupiter. Oh I think. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be cheesy here. I'm gonna say Jupiter. Because of GB, right? <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> go, go, Mean Green, baby. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. I've I, the the corral in that is like something I've always been obsessed with. Um, I remember writing it for my band, like for my high school band, just as a corral to play. It's great, and I've I don't know. It's 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 the most. Be- I like I I well, I assign myself more to like the slower pieces anyway, like the ballads and the corrals and stuff. Then you like the fast, exciting, or angry ones. That's so. fair. Conducting a personal poll, do you prefer the slow movements of things or quicker movements of things? Like in general, have you always preferred slow? Slower movements that are more emotional. Um, see that I think when in terms of a multi-movement piece, I like the because I'm a I mean I like the loud fast sections more. Like I, I like the finales. I like the the first movements. In terms of individual pieces, I like the or standalone pieces. I prefer like the ballad slow the slow stuff more than anything else. Hmm. Um, like I will always love Irishman from County Derry more than I would some like you know some sort of other really fast piece that I'm mm. drawing a blank on right now. It's just <laughs> just just an example. Or like you know from, I was always go for Irish tune for kind of like Molly on the Shore or something like that. Mm. Um, I just always gravitated more towards that. I don't like not like I don't feel I consider myself to be an emotional person, but I definitely uh, I, I, I love conducting and I love playing that more than I do um, playing something that's kind of hard and fast and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, okay, so hypothetical. You get a million dollars, but every time you see a kitchen sponge, you have to eat it. Do you take the money? Oh, yes. Just because I don't think I own a kitchen sponge. So. Fair. <laughs> Nor do I have okay. season. And I would donate all of it to the UNT Wind Studies Department. Oh. Yeah, of course. Haka. So. Okay. What is your Subhub order now that you can no longer get Subhub? <laughs> well, rest in peace, Subhub. Rip. Um, I mean... I went there a couple times. I usually just got like the like the veggie thing. Oh yes. Um, with Italian and like I used to like I was a child, so I put like the barbecue chips on top of it and crunched it all yep. down. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean that's 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 the. Play. I identify with that <laughs> so. minus the fact that I didn't. They're not barbecue chips. They're just plain. But you do you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, Thank a you. symphony of flavors. I can respect that. Symphony of flavor. That's absolutely. that's the title of this episode. Symphony of flavor. <laughs> symphony of flavor. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, the only saxophones left in the world are plastic saxophones. What color do you choose? Oh, I, w- I would go. Uh, I would just go red for sure. Always. Yeah, the, the oh. best flavor. Yeah. The best flavor. <laughs> the best color. Lance. Uh, I first saw Lance in Pokemon Red. Oh. And dreamed of him. Yeah. Uh, I think he, I think in the later versions he, he had hair? a red cape to him. So maybe that's just I think he had red hair. Yeah. That's what it was. He had red hair. Um, yeah, it's that. My favorite color is red. So all right, uh, that's it. Yeah, red one. <laughs> so when can we expect to see you dye your hair red and cut some cheap bangs? <laughs> never. <laughs> Literally, never. Dang. I, I have to I have to keep my hair intact. Ah uh, yeah. So we gotta have some have semblance to. of being professional, even though we're stuck inside, right? True. <laughs> Except there was a like there was a solid three months where I did not do my hair and. Uh, that's me right now. No, it's just a three months, not three weeks, um, <laughs> which is fine. Like who cares. But now, now I do because I'm working again. Yeah, so. your hair looks. Everyone, the, Yakin's the, hair looks delightful. Yeah. To everyone, yeah. compliment Yakin on his hair if you see him. Yeah, I'm no, watching you guys. Yeah. But <laughs> Thank you. My 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 quaffed my quaff is yes. It was just like a mat for a long time. <laughs> so not that I didn't shower. Like I've showered regularly. <laughs> just saying. Like, just, Practice like, hygiene, everyone. It was just a mat for a while. Please, wash your hands. Okay. <laughs> Stay six feet Noted. apart. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you had to change your identity and start a new life, like you're in the witness protection program or something, what would your okay. inconspicuous identity be? Like what name? Yeah, like what I would guess you like do? All of it. Okay. What would you do? Where all would you be? All of it. Okay. What What would you choose if you could? I don't have a name right now. All the names that I can think of uh, are not. I don't want to say on a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I can't find anything that's like you know Ben Ben Levin or something weird. Uh, what I would do, so I like I like to cook a lot, so I would love to do something with like in the culinary arts, which would be super super fun. Um, if I was a witness protection, where would I live? Um, probably Denton, Texas. Go me green. Uh, Go me green. Uh, I think my name would just be Scrappy W Green. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't name yourself Lance so. and dye your hair red. Oh my gosh, that's a way better <laughs> idea. Sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, so my name would be Lance Scrappy. Ooh, yes. Maybe that's maybe I'd, maybe I'd have my friends call me Scrappy. Okay. My name name would be Lance. It's your I'd, I'd be like name. Lance W. Lance S Dragonite. That would be what it'd be, I think. Uh, so anyway, I would do that, and I would just probably be a chef or something of that sort. You could work at I'd, Spiral. I like enjoy cooking. Ah, oh, yes. I would work at Spiral. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So everyone, so if you see a guy named Lance Dragonite working at <laughs> Spiral Diner. Just go call up Yakin and check on him. Make sure he's all right. <laughs> Make sure he's uh, he's doing okay. Cause it, and if the guy's phone rings, it's for it's for sure me. <laughs> Dude, that, I don't know why I thought of Lance before. Dang it. I'm sorry. I went for it. Yeah. it sounded oh, good though. I liked Scrappy. That was way better. No. Scrappy. Yeah. No, I like the idea. No, my name's Lance. Luke. What, Hayden? I, I'm sorry. I like the I like the idea of like him changing his voice and being like, Yeah, the name's Lance. Friends call me Scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> my friends call me scrappy you can call me scrappy too if you want that's probably how it'd go uh, i'd have to mask my voice like that yeah i think okay i'm gonna name my kid lance i think you know? oh. i have to <laughs> okay we're getting close to the end here uh oh, practice yes. north or south and why uh north because we are north texas oh, oh yeah okay oh, yeah i changed answer. my mind that's yeah correct. i've never thought about it that way but <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, I we we have a we have like this this argument every time because I'm a, I'm a Southie 
And Hannah's a Northie. No, oh, I'm so. not. Mm. I just go wherever <laughs> I'm closest to. But I'll advocate for the North if it makes for good comedic content. <laughs> North Texas, yeah, baby. baby. Yeah, baby. We, we are we are North Texas, not South Texas. Go North. Get out of here, Southie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Southie. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's funny. Last question. How oh, no. okay. was your day? You know, it was it was, it was good. Yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my, my day was spent uh, watching kids uh, play play on a playground for a while, which sounds awful. What? No, that I was supervising great. children while they play on a playground. Um, no one got hit in the face with anything. I had a girl lost her, her little, like, gemstone in her ring, um, and she was upset for a while, but we got over it. That's good. Um, We're growing and learning together. <laughs> going and learning together, and that's all that counts. So it was it, it was good. It was good. I hope she it's, finds yeah. her gemstone. Yeah. I think it's gone. No, it's, it's gone. <laughs> She's not getting it back. Okay, well, I hope that she can grow past it. <laughs> Maybe the real gemstone is the friends we made along the way. Absolutely. Listen, amen. If I learned anything from watching uh, Lord of the Rings, a straight you know, the Lord of the Rings marathon the last three days, is it's all about the journey, not the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, anyway, it's about time to uh, wrap this up. So, uh, again, thank you so much, Yakin, for talking Oof. with us today. Uh, I know I really oh enjoyed gosh, it. Absolutely. We really enjoyed it. But, uh, again, that is, uh, that's it for us. So, until next time, this has been the UNT College of Music In Context podcast. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, friends. Hey, everybody. Did you like the UNT College of Music In Context podcast? Did you hate it? What'd you think? Visit our Twitter at UNT Comic Podcast or Facebook also at UNT Comic Podcast and let us know. Give us suggestions. See what's coming your way in future episodes. Ladies, the DMs are open. And gentlemen, we are inclusive. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on an iPhone, iPod, iPad, iPad, or iPatch. Not sure about this last two. We welcome any and all feedback. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or just feedback for the podcast. Anyway, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys next week on the UNT College of Music in Context podcast. That's it for us. Bye. Love y'all. Bye.